Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. Hey, Cross, looking at you. Missed you. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast. Aposka. Really new. It's new. This is just like never so done fresh. Before. I'm doing this with a cough drop in my mouth. Oh, that works. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. It is the most wonderful time of the year. So, Josh, is it Christmas again, or what are we going to talk about? Oh, no. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year because tax time. Mm, tax time. Yes. You get to calculate what you owe to the government and maybe you've withheld some throughout the year, but then you get to balance your budget there with the IRS, get a clean sheet and say, okay, what I owed you has been paid. If I overpaid, give me the refund and everything's squared off. It's tax time. Or if you want to go to jail, you could just avoid paying taxes forever. You can try. So that is totally an option too. Yeah, my wife thinks I'm a little nerdy around tax time. Uh, it's kind of like filing season opens up in early february and i'm like all right honey let's get all the papers together i want that little refund so yeah so today we're going to be talking about taxes so josh tell us a little bit about that yeah so we're discussing taxes not in this fact or the standpoint of you filing your tax turns Uh, we're talking about it from the standpoint of how do taxes impact your investments or how should the two interact with each other uh, ben, ben Franklin is quoted as saying, in this world, nothing can be said to be tr- certain except death and taxes. That's pretty morbid, Josh. Why do we keep getting morbid on these episodes? I, I tell you, you know, taxes are, that's, I mean, this is the thing, the only thing certain in I life. I mean, we're pretty cheery guys. But anyway, so why would an investor be concerned with taxes anyway? Yeah, so the easy answer is no one likes to pay taxes. No one likes to give money to the government, right? So we have all this stuff. We have our earnings, we have our income, and we got to give a portion to the government. Ideally, we want to pay as little taxes as legally possible. All right, the government legally keyword right. The government sets here's how much you have to pay. You don't want to pay a penny over that. All right, you want to pay what you're legally obligated to do. And there's a lot of opportunities and options in there to reduce that legal tax amount. Uh, But you do still want to file and pay what's owed to the government because there are value to that. I mean, if you look at the security provided of here in the United States, that's a big piece of what the taxes go yeah, to. Yeah, the freedoms and the resources are pretty unpl- unparalleled yeah. to anywhere else. So, yeah. yes, it's going to cost a little bit of money to live in this place. Right. And then, you know, some of your taxes, we, you know, they, they're showed as taxes. You have Social Security tax. There's taxes that go towards benefits that you will receive in the future, you know, whether or not you agree with them or anything. That's a whole nother debate. But there's there's value to those taxes. And um, as a society, we've agreed upon this concept of everybody is taxed to cover the cost of the government. So there are four ways investments are taxed. So let's let's talk about those. Let's break those down individually. So yep. number one way, Josh, is yep. long-term capital gains. So that's at a 15 or 20% rate. Tell us a little bit about long-term capital gains. Yeah, so long-term capital gains. A capital gain is a gain on a capital asset. So a gain wow, meaning... It's profound. Assume, it's crazy, the naming of these things. Uh, so if I buy something for $1,000 and then I sell it for $2,000, I had a capital gain of $1,000. It it went up. It's from what I paid for it to what I sold it for. It's the difference. Pretty easy. And so the idea there is, all right, whenever I earn 
or have growth on something that I own, I will have to pay for that growth. There's a tax on that growth. That's the capital gain. So there's long-term and short-term. We're talking about the long-term. That's if I've held it for more than a year. So if I held it for more than a year, when I sell it, I pay long-term capital gains tax rates, which are great because they're 15 or 20%, depending on your income, depending on what tax bracket you're in, you could pay 15 or 20%, which is usually lower than your current tax rate. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to get too uptight about paying long-term capital gains tax rates if you have to. Right. So, you know, if I'm in the 22, 24% tax bracket, I'm paying the 15% capital gain. So I'm saving some tax money if that's how I'm getting my income or my growth in my portfolio. So long-term is greater than one year as opposed to short-term capital gains, which are taxed at your income rate, right? Yes. So short-term would be anything sold within a year. So I buy it and then I sell it. And if I have a gain on it, if it grew during that time frame, I have to pay whatever my income tax rate is. It's counted as just straight income. And so that's the difference. So maybe if I'm in the 10% tax bracket, that's pretty exciting. I could save some money, but I, I realistically, your long-term capital gains are zero at that point. So it's irrelevant. But short-term capital gains are taxed usually at a higher tax than the long-term. The other thing to note too is this is a leap year. I don't know if that means you actually have to hold it one day longer. I, it just seems weird. I never thought about it. Oh man, so you're penalized. <laughs> long-term capital gains is penalized this year. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. So then there would be number three, interest income, right? Yeah. So that also is taxed at your income tax rate. And this can be a result of your high interest savings account, uh, as well as probably some coupons you would receive from corporate bonds or things. So what's coming to mind for me? Yes. And so think about this very simple. I have a savings account at the bank and they're charging me, you know, 0.01% or not charging me, but paying me 0.01% for them holding my money. And so every time I get my little statement, oh, look at that. I earned two pennies on my investment. Yay. And so that's the interest you're going to pay tax on. Now, I don't think that they really even send tax forms out. It's so inconsequential. Yeah, so in most cases. Yeah. Cause you got around to the dollar right, anyway. Right. So it's, it's, it's irrelevant, I but I got a nickel. <laughs> The, the concept there is interest income is the interest or the growth on some sort of agreement. So, you know, you mentioned bonds. Uh, bonds give you a coupon. So they say, here's the, here's the percentage I'm going to pay per period, whether it's a monthly, semi-annually, annually, whatever it is. I'm going to pay that to you. And that income is taxed at your normal income rates. That's an interest income. How does that work with zero coupon bonds? Yeah, so you're actually charged that during that time frame and you can pay you can you'll owe that during that time frame. Some bonds allow you to defer it to the end. It's really it, it depends, Just but take it off zero coupons yeah. there they factor in the growth cuz you pay a discount to premium. So there there is a, a calculation there. So number 4, the final way that we're going to talk about anyway that the taxes can impact your investments are taxes for dividend income. Now, qualified dividends, now that would be also if you held it for a year. It's, there's some things that the, the companies determine that qualification of the income, but most are qualified dividends. Most companies pay right. out qualified di- dividends. That's a 15% as okay. well. That's the same as the long-term capital gain. So that's, again, a benefit. So when I look at between the two of interest income and dividend income, I'm taxed more efficiently at dividend income. And so again, when you're looking at just straight taxes, dividends and long-term capital gains are where you want your income to come from. Now, we should also probably note that if you hold a foreign stock, so a stock outside of the US there, first of all, the dividends that you receive from them are first taxed at the local authority tax rate for dividends. And then 
you're going to get taxed again in the U.S., but you get a Fed tax form at the end of the year where you can get all of that second tax yeah. or all of the foreign tax that yes. you paid back in the form of a tax credit. Yep. The idea there is the the government said, okay, we understand you're getting taxed twice, one from wherever this was originated and then one when it is brought here to the U.S. for you. They said, okay, we're going to undo one of those because, you know, since you're a U.S. citizen, you're paying U.S. taxes. We're going to undo that. So you get a credit. So you pay it, then you get it refunded or you get it as part of your tax return. You get to uh, credit that against you. So it's it's a benefit. You'll see it a lot of times just as a miscellaneous thing. Uh, you know, again, a lot of time dividend income from that standpoint, depending on how much international you own, it's usually just a small amount. But you'll see it sometimes. The question is, where did this come from? And that's usually what it is. So a buzzword around tax planning when it comes to investments and stuff like that is tax loss harvesting. Now, this is something that is usually done at the end of a calendar year, so not tax year. Think this was done probably by you know, your advisor or whatever. They were looking at things in November and December, probably at the end of a calendar year. And really, that is when, when you're looking at a taxable account. If you have, you know, it's an account that is subject to capital gains. At the end of a year, your advisor can look at your account and see any positions that you have a long-term capital loss on, and then they can sell those to then either, you know, reduce your taxable income or to offset a capital gain by selling something else that you would otherwise have a difficult time doing by itself. Otherwise, you'd just have to pay it. So that's really tax loss harvesting. Now, that is taxable accounts only, right, Josh? Yeah, so because this is offsetting gains and losses is really what you're doing, um, it looks at it by category. So long-term, short-term, and you can, you know, if I have a long-term capital loss, I can offset my long-term capital gains. If I have a short-term loss, offset my short-term gains. You can carry over some of that, and then a portion can carry over into your actual income. You can reduce your income up to a certain amount. But all that has to apply to if you were going to be taxed in the first place. So if I have a 401k or any kind of IRA, anything where the tax is deferred, or if it's tax-free, like a Roth, then all that growth is irrelevant because I'm not paying tax in this tax year on the growth. And so that's the only thing you can offset it with. Now, one thing you need to watch out for when you're talking about tax loss harvesting is suppose you like what you're selling, but you have a loss on it and a sizable loss. You can really harvest that loss and offset some gains or whatever you want to do with it. If you like what you're invested in, you need to be careful not to do what is called a wash sale. So you could sell something and then you could launder your money. Like wash your sales. That's right. Uh, it's a little different than money laundering, uh, but the concept like, is there. That yeah. kind of sounds like Walter White. Yes. So Josh, here's a question. Yes. If you and I were in Breaking Bad, cooking meth, which we're going to say cooking candy, yes. we're going to cook some candy. Okay. Because we don't do drugs. No. Drugs are bad. Would you be Walter or Jesse? I'm not and really, would I be Walter I've or Jesse? I've not really seen the show, You've to not be honest seen, You're not allowed. You. So... Um, who was the teacher? Walter, Walter White. Walter was the teacher. Okay. Uh, you know, for a little while, I was actually an education major. See? So okay, I don't so know. you're Walt. I don't know. Poss- I'm going to be Jesse. I, having not known anybody, sure, why not? I'm going to be Jesse. Okay, okay, that was our Breaking Bad sidebar for the day. So yes. anyway, wash sales. Yes. It's not money laundering. No. But it's when you sell something, and then within 30 days, you then... So if you did it in December when you're looking at tax house harvesting, within 30 days, you reinvest in the same security. Or an identical security. Now, that's key. That's so, confusing. Well, yeah. Isn't it the same if it's identical? Yeah, but let's say I'm buying... I think 
there's a lot of kind of gray here, but let's say I'm owning the SP 500 using an iShare, which is just a company that has ETFs. And then I sell that. Then I buy a BlackRock SP 500. Realistically, I just bought the exact same thing using two different companies' holdings. Uh, I thought that was okay. So I could sell and own, let's say I own a company yeah, and they're a tech company. I could sell a temp company and buy a different tech company or buy an ETF of that tech company and get the same exposure, but I didn't buy the same company. So there's a caveat to that where you can't buy something that's equal to or the similar holding. So an example of that would be, let's say I own a stock and I sell it for the loss. I can't go around and buy the exact same stock in 30 days. I also can't do like an option of the same stock, like a long option, meaning I'm positive or I'm bullish in this stock and I own a long call option or something. Right. That would be, they would consider that an, a similar or an identical transaction because gotcha. you're owning the same company. And instead of owning the actual shares, you own the right to buy the shares later. So you have to be careful in what you own in that piece. So I think that a good rule of thumb is that when you're working with your financial advisor for uh, tax loss harvesting, you're working through and looking at maybe sell some sell a position at a loss to offset a gain, whatever. What you can do to maintain exposure is to buy what's called a placeholder. And in today's world of commission-free ETFs, it is very, very easy to buy a commission-free ETF of the sector that you sold that position yeah. out of. I had a tech stock, sell a tech stock, buy a tech, buy a tech ETF. ETF. Sector, now I'm owning yeah. the same sector so if the market goes it's well not quite the same it's but it's at least close. participate yep and, and then but avoids it you just wait 30 31 days, days or whatever 31, 31 days, days yeah yep. and you sell the etf and you can if you want then to buy that position again you can buy yep. that position again and have no issues yep so that is something that is has really gotten lucrative in the commission-free etf world we live in now with most uh, custodians offering it makes that. a lot easier so it's a lot easier to be able to do that yep. so yeah that is wash sales so one thing you need to watch out for when you're working through uh through tax loss harvesting potentially with your financial advisor hey josh are you ready for the dad joke of the week I'm ready all right it's a good one i need a laugh now you are not actually i'm going to say that after okay because i would ruin the joke if i said what okay. i was about to say josh do cow mothers like coffee. So mommy cows, you would think any mom that has kids would need co- need, need coffee. Caffeine. So not even like, but just need it. Got to have that caffeine. What about mom cows? Yes, they do like coffee, but they prefer decaf. Decaf. <laughs> you so know, I was what I meant to say there was that Josh does not drink coffee. I do not. He's not a coffee drinker, and I don't nope. know how he was walking most mornings because that caffeine is kind of necessary. But that's a funny joke specifically for him. Decaf. Decaf. All right. So, Josh, tell us about tax-free investments. Okay. Because you know what's good is making money. But you know what's great? Making money without paying taxes on them. Yeah. So, there are some tax-free investments out there where the government has said, whether it's a federal or state level, that they will not charge tax on that investment. We're not going to go through all the options. There's a lot out there. But in general, when you think about government bonds, most of those are uh, some way or another tax-free. And so some are federally, some are state level, some are both. Uh, but the idea there is they're saying there's a benefit to the government by you holding these bonds. And so as a incentive 
we're going to give you a tax break on them. So mm. municipal bonds is an easy example right. of that. So if they have an Ohio municipal bond and municipal, think of municipal area. So like municipal courts, that's the word for the local county, local area. So if I have a municipal bond, a muni bond for short, that means I'm owning a bond of that. So I may buy a, we're here in Finley, Ohio. Finley may have a bond levy of some sort where they're trying to raise money for something within the local government. That actually just happened. It did. And so they were doing money for... Liberty Benton Schools. That's right. So local school district here had local bonds and you could buy them. And then you would own the bonds and own the debt of that school. They're rebuilding, remodeling, um, actually building a new school. So the idea there is I'd own that just like any bond. It would pay me interest. That you are interest, the loaner. Yes. And so that interest that I'm getting would be tax-free from a state or local level. Federally, I may still have to pay taxes. It depends on the type of bond structure. But the idea is, as a benefit and a way to encourage you to buy that bond instead of another bond, we'll give you a tax break. So suppose you didn't want to build your own muni bond ladder or corporate bond ladder or whatever. By buying individual bonds, you could buy uh, either a mutual fund or an ETF. Those would have the same tax treatment as far as yeah, it, they as pass it through. Here so the that. income they're generating and then dispersing is the same is tax-free, tax-free that it would be a binding underlying. Yep. And so you, you can get that benefit that way as well. And so there's the, the benefit to that is, and the reason why the government does that is, if I don't pay tax on it, they can offer less of a yield. They can offer to pay less. Exactly. But from a tax standpoint, I'm equal or better off even still. So they have less obligation to pay from a government standpoint. And we get the same or better yield without the tax. And that's where the term tax equivalent yield comes into play. Yes. Where you can kind of like, you can look at what the yield would be if it was taxable. Yes. And you can kind of compare apples to apples or vice versa. Sometimes you can look at a taxable bond yield in a tax-free way and you can kind of compare yep. apples to apples. There. And there's a couple of accounts that kind of have the same structure. If you think about health savings accounts, so if you have a high, yield, high deductible plan, a health savings account, you put money in, and you don't have to pay tax on that money. In fact, you usually get a deduction on your tax return for contributing the money. It goes grows tax-free. And then if you use it for healthcare expenses while you're working, no penalty, yeah. no tax. No tax. Yeah, so it's great. that's a way of also getting tax-free investments. The same is true with 529 plans. You put that money in, depending on your state, you may get a deduction. Either way, it grows tax-free. And then if you use it for education expenses, you don't pay any tax on it. So the government has allowed, in certain instances, incentives to say, hey, if we don't charge tax, will you save more in these scenarios where we healthcare is expensive, college is expensive? Right. If we give you some motivation, will you do it? And so there are some opportunities out there to have tax-free investments. Mm, tax-free investments. That yes. is something we should all yes. attain at some point in some way. Uh, if it fits your investment plan, which works for your financial Correct. advisor because they know what's best for you. But we like tax-free income as a rule of thumb. So, Josh, let's talk a little bit about generational wealth, about yeah. passing wealth from generation to generation and leaving a legacy behind. Yeah. So we've been talking at this point about taxes year to year that you're going to have to pay. Now, most of it you can't avoid. In fact, when you're paying taxes, it's on new money. That's kind of how our system is set up. You're taxed on new money. And so, unfortunately, as as sad as it is to watch your money go out, that's on earned money or new money, whether it's gains or interest income or dividends or your earned income. That sounds like a rapper's name. <laughs> new money. New money. <laughs> uh, so the idea there, but that's the thing is it's a portion on some new money I didn't have before. Right. And so as hard as it is for them to write that check to the IRS, it's money you didn't have before that. And so you're still better off than you were before. Now let's switch to talk about this is generational wealth. So if I pass away... 
there are estate taxes. Uh, depending on my wealth level, I may owe estate taxes. And it varies. The government can change that level at any point in time. And it used do. to be lower. And they, they jumped it up over $11 million per person. So most people don't experience the estate tax like they used to. But the idea still is that if I can avoid it by strategically planning my estate, I can avoid because the estate tax is steep. We're talking losing up to half of your wealth. It's a big way. deal. So it can change, you know, there's it can a change lot. the outcomes the tax of what you is pretty plan steep. on passing along. Yeah. So an example of that is when we're talking about those capital gains. So let's say I am a 90-year-old person. Not too far off. Yep. And I have a taxable account and it's done really well and I have a lot of gains. And let's say I have a $100,000 account. And when I invested it, I only put 50000 in. So now it's doubled. It's 100000 So 50000 of that whole growth, I'm going to pay taxes on while I'm alive. If I say, you know what, I'm 90, I don't have much longer to go, I don't really want to pay this tax and all this money, I don't need it, it's going to my kids, grandkids, whoever, I can wait, not pay taxes, and then when I pass and it goes to the next person, they get a step up in the basis, meaning it goes from the $50,000 of money I contributed to whatever the value is when I die. So let's say it's 100000 So now they have zero tax owed on that because it, that's stepped up. It's zero gains. They haven't had a gain or loss. They could then sell it and choose how they want to invest it. So if there's those planning strategies, and uh, I believe Jess wrote an article on that a little bit as well, and you'll talk to that in a second. But the idea that based on where we're at in life will also determine what we do tax strategy-wise. Exactly. So you kind of just mentioned it, but I guess an overarching theme here is that it's not always best to do whatever it takes just to avoid paying more tax because you may have the opportunity to sell something that you shouldn't sell or to buy something that you shouldn't buy just for tax purposes. But taxes and tax loss harvesting or whatever that might be, that is not a reason to alter your financial plan. So I guess what we would say there is kind of the rule of thumb is don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. So don't let tax change you doing what's right for your situation um, when it comes to your investments. And there was a great article that our colleague Jess or the Everyday Advisor wrote, and we'll throw that link in the show notes there, really talking about rebalancing, talking about why you should sell your favorite stocks and why you really shouldn't be tied, even if you have large amount of gains on things like that, it can really better your financial outcome by doing some rebalancing over time and all of that. So key rule of thumb there is not to let the tax tail wag the investment dog. Don't let taxes change and make you make poor investment decisions just for tax purposes. Stick to the plan over time. And that is another great reason why it is um, so beneficial to work with a financial advisor in that way. So yeah, that's, that's something that we'll throw down in the show notes. Great read there. Take a look there. As always, check out our free gift to you a brief list of eight timeless principles of investing. It's free on our website. These are overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track to meet your long-term goals. And uh, so check that out. It's really, really cool and really well put together. We're really excited to be able to offer that to you guys. Yep. And um, to help us grow, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. If you know somebody that will like our podcast, make sure you share it with them. You can do it right there on your podcast app. Leave us a review especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Uh, it's always beneficial. We love reading those reviews. Email us at hello at the Invested Dads if you have a cool idea you'd like us to talk about. And make sure, again, you're sharing it with all your friends and family. 
And in case you missed it, check out our recent episode where we discussed investing for women, specifically when we discussed that with Jessica Hanks, the author of the financial blog, The Everyday Advisor. Check that out. We'll throw a link to that in the show notes as well. Talk to you next time. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.